We're in business to save the planet, and we use making clothes to do that. For over 45 years, Patagonia has committed to taking responsibility for their impact on the environment by pioneering sustainable practices and inspiring other businesses to do the same. The cure for depression is action. Every one of us has to step up and do what you can according to what your resources are. Patagonia, in business to save our home planet. Join us. You're listening to The Dirtbag Diaries, a production of Duct Tape Thin Beer, with additional support from Kuat Racks, Because You Love Your Bike, and Kicking Horse Coffee. Wake up and kick ass. We come up to this beautiful shelter after a long day, and we're really excited to set our sleeping bags up in the shelter and make dinner. And we walk in, and there is an enormous fire going in the fire pit. Like, there was actually tree trunks on fire in the pit, but then the trunk extended probably a good 20 feet out. And so immediately we're like, this is not necessarily safe. And we go in, we see one backpack there, but no person, and so we set up our stuff. And then this big, white, bearded dude comes in who looks like a pretty typical backpacker, and something's off about him. This is Perry Cohen. Perry and his group were hiking the Long Trail, the famed 275-mile trail that runs north to south across Vermont. He starts looking at us funny, and it's that look that if you've ever been a marginalized person, you'll recognize it immediately because somebody's sizing you up and they're trying to figure out what to say and you're trying to figure out what's my escape route to get away from this person because I don't feel safe. And so he comes over to me and he's like, so uh, are you are you a group of high school students? And I said, no. And he said, well, are you a college group? And I said, no. And he's getting more aggressive, like, like we owe it to him to explain who we are. And so he said, well, who are you then? And I was like, we're just a group of grown-ass adults. Kind of like, it's none of your business. Rooted in our most basic biological functions is the ability to identify a threat. The feeling, it's a unique one, unmistakable. For Perry and his group, the backpacker set off immediate alarm bells. They were tired from a long day, hungry, and a long way from the road. And this kind of thing, this kind of aggressive behavior, it's about the last thing you'd want to wander into far from the road. For most of us in the outdoor community, we may have had this type of threatening experience at some point. It's likely been random, unlucky, an anomaly, wrong place, wrong time. For some of us, it might even become a humorous story that we share around a campfire years later. But it's not that way for everyone when they experience this type of thing. Perry is transgender. He was assigned female at birth. At the time of this trip, he was in his late 30s. His body, through surgery and hormone therapy, was shifting from a feminine form into a masculine one. Many trans people describe this as a second puberty. Hormones enter the picture, and things they can get slightly awkward. Because of that, sometimes trans people look younger than they actually are. Most everyone else on the trip was also at some stage of transitioning from female to male. And that look, 
the look from the backpacker that Perry described. At this stage in Perry's life, it wasn't an anomaly to get that kind of feeling. It was part of his existence, whether he was surrounded by a Vermont forest or gridlock concrete. In 2016, the FBI, they looked at the data and concluded that people from the LGBTQ community are more likely to be targets of hate crimes than any other minority group. According to the National Coalition of Anti-Violence Programs, between 20 and 25% of lesbian and gay people experience hate crimes in their lifetimes. For trans people, and particularly trans people of color, that risk of violence increases. For Perry and his group, the isolation of the outdoors made the situation feel even more risky. For so many of us, this outdoor community provides feelings of acceptance, empowerment, and of home. I know it's given me that, but that's not the case for everyone, even if they feel the same draw to the mountains as I do. Today, producer Kyle Norris brings you Perry's story. What happens when you set out to grow into the person you envision being? Sometimes you end up making your community a little better and a little stronger. If that's not the quintessential Dirtbag Diary story, I don't know what is. I'm Fitzka Hall. Welcome to the show. I love being outside. I was super athletic and loved to get dirty and hike and cross-country ski and swim. And I was basically outdoors from morning till night. And my mom usually had to come find me somewhere in the woods around our house. Escaping the real world and heading into nature to find connection is something Perry knows about. Perry's parents moved to rural New Hampshire for work in 1980, and he quickly became an outdoorsy kid. He felt free outside when he was running around. He loved it. He was also social and popular. And all these things came together in this dream he had in high school, to go on an outward-bound trip during the summer before his senior year to the Acadia National Park on the coast of Maine. He had friends who'd gone on similar trips and told him fantastic stories about how they met their soulmate or had a life-changing experience and made connections with people and learned cool outdoorsy things. Perry was sold. He wrote an essay to argue his main points and convince his parents they had to let him go on this trip and that it would be money well spent. And they agreed. So he signed up for a 28-day sailing and rock climbing and hiking course. And he was sure that this thing was going to change his life. It fell flat. I had these huge expectations. And then I got there and pretty much right away I was like, oh, this is just not going to be what I thought it was going to be. He didn't click with people for the first time ever. Something about this group felt different. This dream I had of making these new friends and getting to reinvent myself and be somebody fresh and new, there was something written on me from the outset that wasn't going to allow that, even though I was meeting these folks for the first time. As a teen, Perry listened to a lot of indigo girls and wore a lot of flannel. He jokes not much has changed because he still does both of those things. And if you had seen Perry as a teenager, you probably would have pegged him as a queer kid, a word that he uses to mean different. And more specifically, Perry said he clearly looked butch lesbian. He knew he was different on a couple of levels, but the big thing he was grappling with back then was a newfound lesbian identity. 
Part of his big hope for this trip was that he would meet someone else who didn't fit in like him, someone queer. But that's not what happened. The 30 teenagers on the trip quickly formed cliques. Girls talked about cute boys, and boys talked about cute girls. And Perry didn't fit in with either of those camps. He says there wasn't even a weird kid camp he could hang with. He was thrown. It wasn't about the activity we were experiencing. It wasn't about being out in nature. It wasn't about what a privilege and an honor it was to get to be on this trip. It was much more about typical teenage stuff that happens in the real world, but I didn't think was going to be the main attraction on this Outward Bound trip. Perry felt like it was his fault that he couldn't connect with the other kids, so he poured his heart and soul into the physical stuff. I got to rock climb in this place called Otter Cliffs, which is literally right over the edge of the Atlantic Ocean, and that was phenomenal. And I got to learn how to sail a boat and be out on the ocean and sleep out under the stars on the ocean and learn how to navigate by the stars. And that that part was incredible. Another incredible thing is what trip leaders told the kids, that they'd be training for a marathon. And I thought, are you kidding me? We're on boats all day. What are we doing? And they said, no, no, no. Every day we're going to get on land and we're going to run. Perry had always been an athlete but never considered himself a runner. That was the first time he ever got to trail run. And it was amazing. We'd go on these deserted islands and just run. I didn't think about what I was wearing or what was bouncing up and down or not. I just got to run farther and faster than I'd ever run before. At the end of the trip, the kids lined up to run a full marathon around the island. For me, that was just mind-blowing that that my body, this body that had in so many ways not been what I wanted and didn't look or feel how I wanted, and yet in this moment, it was doing something that I really wanted it to do. So that was a really positive experience for me. And trail running is still something to this day that I do, and it is one of my favorite things. And I think because it just feels free and open, and it's the wind in your hair, and you're paying so much attention to roots and rocks and the beautiful view that you're not really thinking about any of the other problems that may be going on in your life. That trip stayed with Perry. Years later, when he was in grad school, he was doing some research about the experiences of queer summer camp counselors and queer outdoor educators. He didn't really find much, but in the stories he did find, he'd hear the same thing over and over. Queer folks felt like they'd been promised a mind-blowing outdoor experience or that they would develop leadership skills and confidence. And that never happened because they were stressed about their physical and emotional safety. I was so busy processing coming out to myself as queer and trying to protect myself because I wasn't ready yet to come out to myself and I certainly wasn't ready for anybody else to know that I was at that point gay. So I spent a lot of energy trying to like hide who I actually was, which was hard because certainly my gender presentation was pretty butch and so it didn't take a genius to look at me and say like, that person might be queer. And so 20 years later, that's where I realized that, oh, that's what happened on that trip. I was so concerned about my safety and not wanting to be outed that I didn't have the mental space or the energy to achieve any of those other goals of developing my leadership abilities or developing my confidence because I had used up all my energy on trying to keep myself in the closet.
down the road, there was love. Perry met his partner, Brooke, when they were 26 and were teaching at a boarding school in upstate New York. They moved through the world as a lesbian couple. They got married and wanted to have kids. For work, Perry was helping to run the HR department of his family's company. He was overseeing thousands of employees in the grocery distribution business. For a while, they lived in California, but they decided they wanted to live closer to family, and they moved back to New Hampshire to a farmhouse on top of a hill. And Perry got pregnant with twins. Being pregnant really brings out the feminine in you, or at least brings out other people seeing you as particularly feminine. And when you're pregnant with twins, the boobs don't end, the belly doesn't end, like there's no denying that this is woman here. And so that was a moment where I started to realize how dissociated I actually felt from my body because all these folks were being like, oh, you look amazing, isn't this incredible? And I just thought, no, I'm thrilled that we're going to have these babies, but I don't like the constant reminder of womanness in me. Perry didn't deal with those feelings until a few years later, when he was driving home with his partner and their three-year-old twins. Brooke was telling a story about how she was going to have to wear a dress she hated for an upcoming event. And one of my three-year-olds pipes up and she said, Mama, no one can make you wear something that doesn't feel good to you. No one can make you be anybody who you aren't. You have to be your true self, Mama. And I got these chills because it was like, oh, my God, this kid is amazing. And then I got chills again thinking, and I've, I've told her this, right? We've taught her that we're going to love her no matter who she loves, no matter who she is, no matter what her identity is. And yet I'm not doing that. Like I'm not being true to myself. And so I'm telling her all these things, but I am not actually living this. And so that was the moment when I was like, Man, I, th I think I'm trans, and I think i got to do something about this. Perry told Brooke, and she was amazing. She helped him come out to their kids and their family. He transitioned socially at first and asked everyone to stop using female pronouns and use male pronouns to refer to him. He kept his birth name, Perry. Then he began taking testosterone, which put him through male puberty. And then he had top surgery. That's when someone with female breasts has them removed and has a male chest reconstructed. Those were the choices that he made for his transition. And he's quick to point out there are all kinds of ways to transition. Perry was feeling incredible and courageous, as if he had a blank slate to make his life whatever he wanted it to be. So he started to look at the other areas of his life that he wanted to change. And I was still working at, at this corporate job that I had been at. And every day I was looking out the window thinking, man, those mountains right out that window are so beautiful. I wish I was out there. And I loved the work I did, but it was starting to get really hard to see this life that I could have and realize that I had just transitioned my gender and it was so freeing and so emancipating. And I thought, well, if I could transition my gender, I bet I could transition my job. He started asking himself, what makes me happy? And the answer was being outside, running, hiking, climbing, biking, and skiing. Those were things he did during his transition that helped him feel better. And they helped him see the positive aspects of a body he had mixed feelings about. Because it was like, I don't love these hips, I don't love this butt, but this is what got me to the top of this mountain. So it helped me have a new appreciation for a body that for so long I'd really felt really alienated from. And I thought, wouldn't it be amazing if other trans folks could have the opportunity to get outside like I did? And I was lucky enough to grow up in New Hampshire with friends who took me outside to go on an outward bound where I learned these skills. But I knew 
there were lots of other folks within our queer community who didn't have access or didn't have skills or just didn't have the confidence to go outside. And so I thought there must be some queer outdoor organization leading trips that I could go work for, but I didn't find one. And so I got kind of despondent for about 24 hours, and then I thought to myself, man, I've led a whole corporate HR department. I've had some big jobs. I understand how to run a business. Maybe I should just start one. And so I did. Perry runs an outdoor adventure company called The Venture Out Project. The trips are for, and they're led by, queer and transgender folks. They do trips for adults, young people, and families. And the trips happen all over the country. They've gone backpacking in Washington's Olympic National Park, hiked parts of the Appalachian Trail, and cross-country skied in Wyoming's Grand Teton National Park. I've gotten on a couple of Venture Out trips. We went snowshoeing around Mount Hood in Oregon. We snowshoed six miles in with heavy packs through deep snow to a tiny cabin and chilled and cooked for a few days, then snowshoed back. I've also gone camping in Olympic National Park with them. I'm not even a fan of camping, but with these guys, I started to change my mind. I'm a trans guy, and I rarely hang out with other transgender folks. So to spend time with a bunch of them and be goofy and normal and ask questions to the guys further along in their transitions and share horror stories of how awful and judgy people can be to trans people, all that is priceless. The organizers know that some queers might not be comfortable with the technical aspects or physical aspects of hiking and camping. Some of these people have never hiked before. They're worried about whether they'll be able to keep up with the group, and they're concerned about their safety, about being targeted or harassed in the woods for looking different. So before the trip even starts, the Venture Out Project asks everyone about their concerns and about their previous camping and hiking experiences. When the group meets for the first time, they talk through those concerns, and leaders check in with people throughout the trip. Perry says something powerful emerges when a bunch of queers get together in the woods. There's a connection that happens so fast. And people often ask me, do you do all kinds of facilitated activities? And we don't because when you put a bunch of queer people together in nature, conversations just start to happen. And people bring up topics that they've wanted to talk about for years but haven't had the folks to talk about it with. And I think the connections happen instantly. And that's the magic is that people feel safe. They feel included. And in ways that they've been othered or felt on the outside in so many groups. I've had people talk to me about coming out to their family. I've had people talk to me about their partners leaving them when they told them they were trans. I've had people talk to me about suicide attempts. I've had people talk to me about surgeries they've had, whether gender-affirming or others. I've had people talk to me about their relationships and if they're going to propose to their partner or if they're going to break up with their partner. I've had people talk to me about changes in their relationships as they transition, how their partner's identity was impacted. I've had kids talk to me about relationships with their parents. It's just, it's unbelievable the level of intimacy that we reach on the trail.
Another reason why these trips are powerful can be seen in how the group handled that creepy guy in the shelter. The big bearded guy who was getting angry with them and demanding to know who they were. That's when someone in the group said, hey, let's go get some water. So the whole group goes down to the stream and we start filtering our water. And I said, that really didn't feel good. And I felt this collective sigh from the group and everybody else said, yeah, that felt awful. I feel really unsafe around him. And somebody said, well, why didn't you say anything? And another member of the group said, well, I didn't want to be the one to say, I don't want to sleep in the shelter next to this guy because that means we either have to hike another 10 miles or we have to pitch a tent somewhere else. And it led to this really powerful conversation of how we're constantly putting our own needs behind those of others. And especially as members of the queer community, we didn't want to inconvenience anyone. And so normally we would just stay in that shelter and probably nobody would sleep because they'd be afraid of what is this guy going to do? Because he clearly is uncomfortable around us. And historically, we felt like folks who are uncomfortable can get aggressive towards us. They agreed to pitch their tents further down the trail on the side of a hill, putting their safety first, even though it came with physical discomfort. We were on this trail, and we really believed we'd gotten away from all the expectations that existed in the real world. And yet, here it was, this guy getting aggressive towards us. And, and we all believed he was aggressive towards us because we looked different, and he couldn't categorize us and put his finger on who we were and, and what we were doing out there. Aggressive situations like that happen for queer and trans and gender nonconforming folks in the real world, where the underlying issue a stranger demands to know is who are you and how dare you be here? The potential of these confrontations happening in the middle of nowhere are one reason queer folks don't want to spend time outside. Perry and his staff have safety strategies in place, and they talk about them with participants. For example, when groups are driving to and from their destinations, they're using restrooms and gas stations and restaurants, and they come up with a plan, like bathroom buddies, in case a stranger tells someone in the group that they're in the wrong bathroom or harasses or threatens them. The groups also make a collective decision of how they want to answer people on the trail when they ask what kind of group they are. Sometimes they say they're college buddies. Other times they've said, we're queers from Portland. The Venture Out project exists at the intersection of the LGBTQ community and the outdoor community. On Venture Out trips, Perry and his co-instructors teach their participants how to get outside, both the hard skills, like how to navigate and use technical gear, and more nuanced strategies to help keep them safe. But Venture Out also works in the other direction, by helping the cisgender outdoor world learn how to interact with and support the queer folks who are all around them. So in addition to the trips he leads outside, Perry travels the country to put on workshops and talk to outdoor groups, schools, and businesses. The big thing, he says, is engage with queer folks. Ask them what pronouns and name they use, and use what they tell you, even if that isn't how you see them. When Perry created the Venture Out Project, he wanted to teach people about the great outdoors, how to navigate using a map and compass, or how to filter water from a stream or set up a tent. But they get a lot of return customers, and they're not coming back to learn the technical stuff. And when I asked them, you know how to backpack, why are you coming back? And they said, because I love backpacking with other queer folks, where I don't have to explain myself, where if all of us identify as men, and yet we all squat to pee, I don't have to explain that. Perry hopes one day there won't be a need for a specific group like his. But for now, there is. 
people have even started asking Venture Out for specific trips. Next year, they're doing a trip focused on meditation and a trip for people of color. Their trips are booking up and getting waitlisted. Queer people are hungry to do this. I think what affinity groups do and what the Venture Out project does is create an incubator and a safe space to say, like, we're trying something that's stretching our comfort zone anyway, and we get to do it in community because in the rest of the world, we're just mixed in with straight, gay, other trans folks, but we never know for sure that we're in a group of like-minded folks, and it's really powerful when you don't have to explain yourself and you can just be. Diaries is made possible by the good people of Patagonia. In this time of unprecedented threats, it can be hard to know the best way to get involved. That's why Patagonia created ActionWorks. Go to patagonia.com actionworks and click the Act Now button to find curated events, petitions, volunteer opportunities, and donation possibilities near you. Additional support comes from Kuat Racks, the little company who set out to build a better bike rack. All of their hitch racks and roof racks look good, are easy to use, and are covered for life by their No Worries Warranty. Check out their lineup at kuatracks.com. Kuat, because you love your bike. And support comes from Boston Brewing, who is on a mission to be one of the most sustainable breweries in the nation. Boston strives to reuse or recycle 100% of the resources they use to make quality beer. Their goal is to make thoughtful, data-driven decisions that reduce the environmental footprint of every aspect of their business. Boston, hail the journey. You, our audience, truly keep the diaries going. To pledge your support for the show, visit our website, dirtbagdiaries.com, and click the button in the upper right-hand corner. For a donation in any amount, you can still get a download of our theme song as a ringtone. Thanks so much to everyone who has already contributed. A huge thank you to Perry for sharing his story. Perry is amazed by how much Venture Out has resonated with people. Over half their summer trips are already full. Learn more and check out their programs at ventureoutproject.com. Kyle Norris is an audio storyteller based in Seattle. You can follow him on Twitter at Kyle Norris Radio. Music today from Bradley Carter and Publish the Quest. The tracks are courtesy of the artists. Jacob Bain and Nizkoto compose our theme song. As always, you can find links to the artists at our website. This episode was produced by Kyle Norris, Jen Altschul, Fitz Cahal, and me, Becca Cahal. You've been listening to The Dirtbag Diaries. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in.